We've been working our way in a summer series through the book of Psalms, back and forth and highlighting things. And uh, the book of Psalms is just full of all different sorts of things. It's like your hymn book. If you open your hymn book, you'll notice there's a little uh, sentence, a few words on the top, and it characterizes what kind of song it is. The Word of God, church, Christmas, and so forth are all through there because we have all sorts of variety of things in our hymn book. Well, this Jewish hymn book, which was the book of Psalms, is no different. It has a lot of variety of things in it, and we choose today Psalm 119, for our psalm, and it also is a very unusual one, nothing quite like it. And so we'll be looking in Psalm 119 today for our text. I guess I was probably six or seven years old when I got my first Bible. I couldn't read quite yet, (laughs) but I had one. There were two things that caught my attention about that Bible, and first were the pictures. There was pictures through the Bible. My favorite picture was of David and Goliath. And there was a great big old Goliath there. And he had fire coming out of the top of his helmet in the picture. And I would have thought it had got too hot to wear after a while. But I like to look at it anyway. And secondly, I noticed there were lots of words printed in red. And I was told those were Jesus' words. And I used to look at all those red letters and I thought, wow, Jesus had a lot to say. Look at all those red words. Of course, I used my Bible as I was getting up, growing up, to do what we call Bible drills. One of the teachers in Sunday school would call out a verse. We'd hold our Bible up and she'd say, go, and we'd race to see who could find it first. Uh, The first verse that I found reading on my own that I really liked, and I still like it today, was that one verse that says, for our God is a consuming fire. I thought when I was a little kid, that's a pretty powerful verse. Growing up in my house, we had family devotions every day. My father would read some passage out of the Bible to us as we gathered, and then we all had to say three memory verses every day. Mom had an envelope full of verse references, and she picked them out, and we had to say the verses, and then we all said our prayers. The problem I had that I very seldom really understood the passages that Dad read, and I didn't necessarily comprehend all the verses what they meant, that we memorized. But all in all, it was a very good thing. And to this very day, I still remember those memory verses, and I read them with better understanding than I did. And so it was, I was introduced to the Bible at a very early age. Now the Bible is an amazing book. God took one of the best educated men in history to begin to write the Bible. Moses, it said, was educated in all the ways of the Egyptians. Superior, one of the best educations that history had to offer. He was trained as a scribe, that is a writer, a collector of information. And God used Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. So early in history, way long, long, several thousand years ago, the Bible began to develop. 
Now, why do we need a Bible? Because no one could see God or hear God. And so God was a mystery. Now, the Bible tells us we can learn something about God by looking at creation that's all around us. And creation will show us that God is very powerful and very full of ideas. But we needed to know more than that. And so a book was started that God inspired, and that book began to explain more about God. Histories were recorded. God's works were explained. And finally, in the course of time, God came down to earth. And he visited earth as a human. And that story would be the end of the Bible. And so uh, now there was a coherent, well-written book to explain who God was and what God did. And it would be written and published and translated and spread all over the world as that wonderful, coherent book until it came in the hands of a little red-headed guy like me. And there it was for all to read and to think about and to understand. Right now, we're studying a part of that Bible that was the Jewish hymn book. David was the main songwriter in the book of Psalms, and he's writing songs about God. Well, how did David learn about God? By reading the Bible. As a matter of fact, David started very early reading the Bible. He was reading and learning about God and writing songs about God. And David began to have so many thoughts about the Bible that he started to make lists. Some people like to make lists. My wife makes a lot of lists. She's got a list. She says, I got one for you if you want. <laughs> David made lists about the Bible. What he thought about the Bible. And he made these lists until it became a habit of him that lasted his whole life. He spent his whole life making lists. Here's what the Bible, what I think about it today. And sometimes he called it God's Word. Something that came right out of God's mouth. Sometimes he called it God's judgment. Or God teaching us what is right and what is wrong. And then you can't find that anywhere else, particularly today. And sometimes he called the Bible God's statutes. Or God's rules for living. Sometimes he called it God's commandments. God telling us exactly what to do. Sometimes he called it God's law, which is something to be obeyed. And sometimes David called the Bible God's testimonies, or God declaring something that is true like a witness in court. So the Bible is full of advice, full of information, full of instructions, full of choices, full of examples, full of facts, full of hope. And so all these thoughts that David had about the Bible were made into lists 
and list and list. And they were organized and put all into one psalm, Psalm 119. It was divided into 22 sections, making it the longest chapter in the Bible. Each separate section has a different point of view about the Bible. You can learn so much from it. Now today, we're going to look at the section that begins with verse number 73. Verse number 73. That's where we'll start that little eight-verse section, starting with verse number 73. And if you're looking in your Bible, you'll see that each of these is eight verses long. And there's a funny little word before each one. And that funny little word is the, the Hebrew alphabet. That's the alphabet. So there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And there's one for each section of this psalm. And the entire psalm discusses the Bible and how we should think about it. So we're starting in the section and verse number 73. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. God is like a potter. He molded us and he made us who we are. He tied together our ears and our mouth and our eyes. He gave us a brain that is superior to all computers ever made. He made our minds to think And then he made our mouths to express our thoughts. So David said, God, you put me all together. You made me the way I am. You know how everything works. So what I want you to do is help me to understand the Bible. Now, my friends, let me ask you this question. Have you ever read a piece of the Bible and stopped and said, what? I didn't get any of that. Did you ever do that? I do it all the time. Don't be surprised. I do it all the time. I read it through and I stop and say, what was that and what did all that mean? And I have to do what David did. And I have to say, God, help me understand what this means. Help me understand this Bible. So how does God do it? If you ask him to help you understand, how does God do it? Well, you hold the Bible up to your head and it sifts in, you know, like osmosis. Well, no, that's, of course, not how it goes. The Bible says you're going to study to show yourself approved to God, a workman who knows how to handle the Bible. And so, no, it doesn't soak into your head just by sticking it up there. We study and we read other people's ideas and we pray it in. A very wise preacher said, read your Bible, pray it in. Read your Bible, pray it in. And suddenly some phrase pops up and you grasp the meaning. It's the Spirit of God opening your eyes. Don't we sing the song, Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hand a wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. And so 
David did that. He prayed, God, help me to understand what I'm reading. So why is David so keen to understand the Bible? Verse 74, they that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. He wants to teach other people. And there's other people that want to learn from David. Why? Because David's message that he preaches is full of hope. Now, some people, when they try to teach the Bible, are depressed. And they spread it around like an infection. And everybody gets depressed. A good Bible teacher offers hope, a good future, a pleasant way to live. David asked God to give him understanding. So when people see him coming, they say, oh, good. I see something positive coming. David's coming to talk to us, and he's surely going to help us. That's why he wants to understand the Bible. Verse 75, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. Now, one of the ways that the Bible helps us, and it may be one of the most important ways, it tells us when we're doing wrong. All right, if we have a bad temper, or if we've said too much, if we've hurt somebody, if we've had our revenge on somebody, the Bible will say, no, no, that was the wrong thing to do. And sometimes we suffer the consequence of our actions. God lets us feel a little bit of the whip You've done wrong. And the only way you're going to learn is to suffer the consequences. Don't blame God for your bad choices. God loves you. He corrects you like a father loves his child and corrects the child's bad behavior. To help him do better next time. And so David says, I know that thy judgments are right. Thou hast afflicted me or I'm feeling a little sting. You've told me through your word that I wasn't right. I'd done something wrong. Verse number 76. Let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to thy word unto thy servant. When God punishes his children, it's like a good father, a good mother. He's not mad at us. He's not going to hold it over our heads forever. He's kind to us. He's enticing us to come to him and to trust him. He promises, I'll comfort you. Jesus said, come to me. Are you tired? Are you weary? Come to me. Are you burdened down in life? Come to me. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. I'll help you carry the load that's on your back. My burden is light. If God corrects you and you respond well, you're going to feel more love coming from him than you felt before you did wrong. That's a wonderful thing. He's your father. He loves you. Suddenly, we have verse 77. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I might live, for thy law is my delight. Remember, Jesus said this, I am come. The reason I came to this world, I came that you might have life 
and that you might have it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that. I want to live. I want to feel alive. I want to be full of energy, vivacious and vigorous. We know what it means to be alive. The tender mercies move us as God draws us to himself. And we have sweet thoughts and God caresses us. We become all full of worship and we pour our hearts out to God. The Bible instructions are delightful to us. We love to read and understand and obey. It's all about God. His word giving us such a wonderful feeling of love. Tell God. Tell him. I feel good. I feel good. I want to live. Verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed. For they dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. You see a proud person. Like the ones mentioned here would never read the Bible searching for instruction. Because a proud person believes he already knows it all. (laughs) A proud person would never search the Scriptures to see what's wrong with him. He's proud. He thinks he's perfect. And so these proud people were pointing at David and saying, Ah, David, what are you paying any attention to him for? He's not good. He's not got God's approval. He's not right. Ask us. We know better. David doesn't know anything. And David prays, let them be ashamed. They told lies to ruin David's reputation. And David says, Lord, you take care of them. I don't want to fight them. I'm going to spend my time and use my thoughts to meditate on the Word of God. And if you take care of the proud, I won't have to waste my time brooding over their attacks on me. Now, my friends, what he just said, that is not an easy thing to do. When someone tries to tear you down, to say things about you that aren't true, It is not easy to say, God, you you take care of that. I'm not going to think about it anymore? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a hard thing to do. Think about what David has said so far. Teach me, Lord, so I can teach others. I want to give them hope. I know I'm not perfect. I've done wrong. But I've asked for forgiveness and you gave it to me. And I find life so full and fulfilling. In all the joys of knowing God, I don't want to be distracted when somebody tries to tear me down. It would be a terrible waste of time to brood over the situation. Easy to say and hard to do. Let God take care of it. He blesses his children who believe in him. The Bible says God resists proud people, but gives grace to the humble. I remember many years ago, I was in a difficult situation like David describes here. 
My father gave me a little bit of advice. He said this, don't defend yourself. And that was very good advice. Best I'd had in a long time. God's word can really support you in times of trouble. Use it. Read it. I promise it will help you. Verse 79. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Some of the lies that were told by David's enemies were believed by good people. And those good people turned away from David because they believed the lies. Now David asked God to bring them back, to restore them to me, he says. Good people, people who fear God, people who obey God's word. David said, I want there to be reconciliation. I want there to be forgiveness. Let God's people love each other. Let them keep their relationships right. My friends, if the reason you've abandoned someone is because you listen to gossip, you need to be reunited with God's people. David's prayer is a good one. Lord, bring them back to me. Let God's people be united together in love. It's a sweet thing that he asked for. And now we close with the last one in this section, verse 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes that I might not be ashamed. I want to be sure, Lord, that I understand the Bible. I want to make sure I understand your word, that I grasp its message so that I can plainly tell others. First, how do you please God? Second, how do you do the will of God? How do you feel the love of God? So let me get it right so that I can explain it. So that I am never ashamed of my sermon. So that I'm never ashamed of my song. So that I'm never ashamed of my advice. And so I'm never ashamed of my message. Most of all, oh my Lord, that you will never be ashamed of me. God's word is the anchor to your soul. It's the breath in your soul and in your heart. It's the strength of the way we live. So my friends, read it and understand it and then do what it says. In this Psalm 119 and another page you'll read that God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So get all you can so that you'll be able to give it to others. Like David wanted to do. Help me to understand so that I can bring other people's hope. God's word, properly understood, will always lead you to love one another. God, it says, so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. God's word will show you the truth about God. And David loved that truth. And so do I, my friend. So do I. I pray that you do too. 
What a blessing is God's Word working in your heart. So may God bless you as you study His Word, obey His commands, follow His precepts, and hear His testimony. God bless the Bible to your heart. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the instruction you give us, for the way that it helps us to understand. We want to get, get it right. We want to understand. We want to see the blessing in your word that you promise us. And so we thank you for David thinking about his Bible and helping us to think about ours so that we might read it well. And read it early and read it correctly and have from it the very best that you offer. Most of all, that we may know God because we have learned of him in our Bibles. Bless us as we study and pray and read, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, like you turn in your hymn books, hymn number 546, standing as we sing. Hymn number 546, Trust and Obey, There is No Other Way. Standing as we sing, 546. Page 546.
Dear Lord, we pray that we would see your word and seek it out in our lives. We pray that it would be special and unique to us and that we would learn to have its testimonies in our life each and every day that we would apply it. And we know that we want to give these things over to you. We ask that when we are stretched and pushed, when there are enemies against us, when there are those people who would fight against us, that we would leave those things to you, just so that we may draw nearer to you. May we learn to have the patience, and the kindness, and the love that we need from your word. May we trust in you wholly in all situations and know that you are there for us from day to day, and on and through into the next life too. Thank you for all these blessings that we have and all the people in this place. Bring them back safely, we pray. Help them to think about you and use your word through this week. In your name, amen. Amen.